but it's also about nurturing the team figuring out what's needed to help them grow each individual person in the team and along with the product right so it's not just work it's it's about human connect hi i'm nils vinya and you're listening to the b2b leadership podcast a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time each week i sit down with leaders in the b2b space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way this podcast is brought to you by the b2b leaders academy the cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous and the b2b leaders academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching being a great leader isn't hard you just need a guide and the right set of tools so head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be hello and welcome to another episode of the b2b leadership podcast my name is nils vinya and today my guest is ashish ja ashish welcome to the show thanks nils really excited to be here Wonderful. Well, Ashish, we're going to dig into lots of fun things on your leadership journey. But first, would you mind sharing with me and the audience where you are working today and the role that you're currently in? Yeah, so currently I'm VP of Engineering at Vcomply Technologies. So Vcomply is a startup. It works in the governance, risk and compliance space. We are in our journey to simplify governance. What I saw was that in the governance and compliance space, there are a lot of products we're focusing on power users we are trying to focus on end users folks who are actually doing the compliance and to the day to day business and simplifying their life so really excited to be part of the journey wow okay so you're simplifying compliance in the government sector that sounds like a big job can you give a, give an example of what a compliance you know thing you are helping your clients with what's a what's a typical use case of vcomply take an example of any a non-profit organization where they have to do the bookkeeping of okay this is what we do on a day to day basis this is these are our offices this is how we track our responsibilities or auditable entities so the typical way they will do today is either via emails phone calls screenshots spreadsheets so what we are trying to do is automate all that process so that they do it once it all gets automated everybody just gets reminders does it all electronically very little learning curve so it becomes a part of the routine it's no more a hassle and uh, everything is documented centralized in our software wow that sounds pretty cool love it and sounds like a never ending stream of challenges to solve and problems to solve for your customers so very very cool so ashish let's start talking some leadership i want to go rewind in your career and would love to hear you share with me and with this audience how did you get into your first official people leadership position i started my career at a startup and that my day one with them was also the day one of the company and i was the one of the first interns to join uh, in that company then grew along with that company because i started pretty early i started getting kind of like hiring and leadership roles informally from the very beginning i was into the business side of things along with technical from the very early on so i got interested in that then the company grew and we were acquired by citrix 
and that's where the role uh, was was actually formalized but uh, i was into the leadership uh, probably i would say a couple of years on in that my journey that's wonderful so i mean it's a fascinating story so you you were the intern at this company first right and then that's right and for anybody you know listening who hasn't been part of an early stage company, there's always a lot of opportunity to go around and things to to fill, gaps to fill. Let's say, uh, been there myself. And even if you're in an established company, there's still a lot of opportunity all over the place. So I'm curious about how you approached your work as an intern, as in those earlier years, where you know you were an individual contributor. And then you positioned yourself to take on more and more of those leadership responsibilities, some of it because you had been there since the early days, but I'm sure some of it was because you had shown an interest or you had already started doing the work of the leader. Can you give us an example of what you saw and what you were driven to do? At a startup, right, you may have a role, but the work may, may differ on a day-to-day basis. So essentially, you do, do what is required on a given day, on a given week. And that's the attitude which generally helps in a startup. Mine was no different. So in the in the startup journey, we started with a product. In that product, technical skills were one thing. And then understanding the ecosystem, who our competitors are. So I started getting exposure to that. And that's what happens when you join a startup. You get exposure to things which probably will take a little longer at other places. And, and that then helped me get a 360 degree view. And and that increased the the overall outcome which I was having for the company, and that that is what slowly took me towards the leadership eventually. And and was that something that somebody else said, "Hey, Ashish, we need a three hundred and sixty view. Go and build this. Here's the, here's the specs. Here's here's what you have to work with. Go do that." Or was this something that you identified as we need this and kind of went down that path? Yeah, so no, I was like looking for gaps, like where is where are we struggling? I mean, where can I help? I mean, I was always on the lookout for things where things are not going great and like there is some help needed. And I will try and learn that, try and go do that work. And it was like an organic process. No one told me how to do it or what to do. But then essentially like you look for things which are going great, continue doing that and look for things which are not doing great and try and see what is the reason and how you can improve that. And that's the journey which helps you improve continuously. Yeah. I agree with you 100. percent And that's it's a it's a wonderful piece of advice, and is a similar thread to what has been shared a lot of times on this podcast with other guests about the fact of looking for the things that are not working, and then identifying how you can help improve and do that long before anybody ever comes to you and asks you or tells you to do it, simply because you see it as an opportunity. And I think the biggest difference there is being in control. Like you were in control. You were the one who decided to look at all these areas and identify where you could add the most value to the organization. It doesn't really matter if you're in a startup or you're in an established company. You could be in a Fortune 100 company. You could still apply the exact same process. And you were. You actually got acquired by Citrix, which is a very, very large software organization. So walk us through the transition of what it was like inside of the startup organization from, you know, kind of inherited leadership responsibilities to then formalization inside of Citrix. When we got acquired, the, the biggest thing, we the difference we saw was suddenly you had access to so much more resources, which you can tap into and so much more experience. So in a startup, we had like a lot of folks, a lot of energy, 
and who are trying to do a lot of things together. Uh, once you get into a bigger organization, you have well-established roles, folks who have done it over years, and there, the momentum you can get through that expertise is amazing. So, so that was the big difference which we saw. We were able to divide and conquer much, much better. Uh, overall planning, focusing on individual items, was much more granular at a, a bigger organization. So that helped a lot in making, I wouldn't say diverse, a lot of diverse progress, but it looked a lot more focused progress on certain areas which we decided that we want to progress. Wonderful. They're different worlds, right? They're completely different worlds. A startup world and an established company like Citrix. And it's wonderful to hear the just your perspective. Because some people might say things like, well, you know, there's just so much bureaucracy in a large organization and there's so much process and you can't quote unquote get anything done. And the reality is exactly what you said, which is we had access to infinitely more resources than we did as a small team. And that was really cool. I think that's one of the best descriptions of the differences between a startup and an established company that focuses on the important things, which is getting stuff done. So when you transitioned into SearchX, you mentioned that your leadership position was actually formalized. So is that the point at which then you had individuals who were on a team that reported to you? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And when you made that transition and when they made it formal, and even if you're working with some of the same team or some new people, walk us through what that transition was like from an environment that was, you know, pretty ad hoc and kind of all over the place to a much more structured environment, probably a lot more resources, as you mentioned, and just a completely different change of pace, I imagine. Starting from like resources, right? So like uh, there was a well, well-built training programs. We had trainers who we suddenly got access to. So uh, getting to make sure that uh, we can get hooked up to that, understand what are the avenues which we can learn, the team can learn. Then uh, we also got a full university a program where we could hire from different universities. So as a startup, you don't have access to some of those. You are trying to figure out, you do few things, whereas here we had a big team. So we were able to get tapping into that. The overall, as I said, right, structuring the whole growth for every single individual was much more easier because it, it was already thought through in many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So now as you're transitioning, as you now got exposure to more resources, university hiring program, all kinds of different things, were you ever tempted to go back to the startup world to leave the big organization? I'm curious about the balance. Sometimes people naturally gravitate towards one or the other, but where did you fall in this having experienced both sides? Yeah, so I enjoyed that. I actually went, I mean, from Citrix, I went to like an even further larger organization, Amazon, spent a couple of years there and back to the startup world now. So it's kind of been a full circle in that way. Each one of them have their own benefits, their strengths. At a startup, you get to do a lot more things. It's a lot more ad hoc, fast paced. Whereas in a bigger companies, things are much more structured. You have clearly well-defined roles. So you know exactly what you need to do. So it's a well-carved path. Whereas in a startup, you make your own path in some ways. I mean, they are both exciting in their own, own ways. Yeah, I agree. And I've been in parts of both of them as well, probably skewed more of my career towards the, the earlier stages, but really love the difference between those two. And they have, you know, just like anything, they have their pros, they have their cons, and it depends on the appetite of the individual who wants to be there and the leader in particular. 
So when you were going working it through Citrix and with Amazon, curious if you could share maybe some of the leadership lessons that you learned that really helped you to lead your teams, helped you to get your projects done, help you get your initiatives off the ground. What are some of the key takeaways and things from those large organizations which do a fantastic job of training and enablement that maybe the you know earlier stage companies don't always get to take advantage of just for lots of different reasons? couple of things which I uh, really learned about was like, first was like thinking big and a long term. Leadership is, it's not about like getting things done on a day-to-day basis. I mean, that may be a small part of it, but it's also about nurturing the team, figuring out what's needed to help them grow each individual person in the team and along with the product, right? So it's not just work, it's, it's about human connect. So knowing each individual person works and behaves differently, their motivations are different. Their skill sets may be different. They run at different pace. So leadership is about recognizing and understanding that and then helping each of one of them to get to the best of their potential. Mm. Well said. Thinking big and long term, nurturing your team, helping individuals grow in their respective areas. And it's not just about the product, as sometimes we can get a little bit wrapped up in, right? It's about human connection and helping each one of them along the lines. Is there an example of how you kind of took that long-term view with somebody in one of your teams and help them over a long period of time become, you know, rise up to a much higher level. I can talk about one particular case where athletics we use hired from different colleges. So, I mean, there were tier one, tier two, tier three colleges and each one of them will come and they'll be given like a slightly different kind of role depending on where you hire from. So one of the engineers which uh, was hired from a good college, not the tier one college, I saw that like from the very first day, I mean, he was, he showed a lot more interest in the product. He showed a lot more interest in learning things. He was trying out things on his own. Even during the, the training time, he was trying things which were not asked of him. I recognized that and I understood that like this person definitely has skills and ability to learn. Now, I mean, what can we do to help nurture that. So I took a senior engineer and, and assigned him as a mentor for that person so that let's see, I mean, if we can get him to grow faster than the others, let's give it a try. So six months that mentorship program worked and that person did start to grow up. During my duration at tenure there, he got a couple of promotions. He was already like into a leadership kind of path. That is when we thought that he showed interest in uh, both higher education and moving to US. We initiated that path. Unfortunately, during that time, I had to move out of Citrix, move to other. So I had laid out the, the groundwork. I stayed in touch with that person. Just a month back, I heard from him. He's actually into US now, pursuing his master's and into the company. So yeah, so it, it took five years, but but he's here. <laughs> That's tremendous. A U.S. citizen going to university and graduate school, and it all started with one him showing interest, right? Doing the doing the hard work of just like you did in your first position with that company you told us about before in the early stage company, where you saw the holes, you saw the gaps, you pushed beyond whatever boundaries there were, and you didn't wait for somebody else to tell you what to do, and then. You hooked him up with a senior engineer to mentor him, and that accelerated his growth when you pair coaching with 
potential and talent, you get incredible results. And then, you know, helping him navigate the path all the way up to the point where he's at a very senior leadership position now and is in a tremendous place, completely different than where he would have been had you never shown interest as a leader. Like, had you never spotted that talent and and taken an interest and said, you know what, there's something special here. That's really quite remarkable. Also for a leader, right? that's the best reward you can get. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. And and many times people tell me like, you know, if people get promoted beyond me, right? Beyond my position. That's wonderful. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's what we should all be, be championing is somebody else getting to that position because it's about their success, right? It's no longer, when you become a leader, it's no longer about you. It's about them. That's one of the most freeing things, I think, of all. It might be scary for some, but to me, it's incredibly freeing. How about to you? No, absolutely. I mean, like the, the whole point is that get the, the maximum uh, potential out of them and many of them will have potential higher than your, your own. So that's absolutely natural for them to keep keep growing beyond you. I love it. Love it. And, and there's no limit to the potential from everybody else, right? Because the world is evolving faster than it ever has before. Our work environment evolves faster. The technology and everything about what we do involves faster and faster and faster all the time. So there's no possible way you as a leader could stay on top of everything necessary. The only way for you to stay on top is to facilitate the growth and development of other people. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a perfect example of what you did. And I'm sure your relationship with this individual will last for a very, very, very long time, if not your entire lifetime. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. So coming back to the full circle nature piece. Now you went to Citrix, you spent a number of years there, you went to Amazon, spent a number of years there, and then you said, I wanna go back to the beginning. I wanna go back to the startup and you joined vComply. Share with us a little bit about why coming back to vComply was important for you to join as the VP of engineering. Last few years, I had been into security, audit, compliance space. So technologically, I was in that space. And then uh, I saw this company. Uh, and uh, as I said in the beginning, right, like most of the software which are being built are being built for the administrator power users. There's a lack of interest or intent to support those who are doing this on a day-to-day basis, who don't have a lot of technological progress, let's say. And that's where I saw this company and an opportunity and I could really connect with the product straight away. And, and that's how I got into touch with the leadership team and explored the opportunity. That's wonderful. So if you know, I draw a parallel to what you were sharing before about how you got into your first leadership position was by identifying a gap and then coming up with a way that you could help solve that. It sounds like you were doing the exact same thing here at a career level, which is identifying the gap in the market, which was most of the compliance things were built for administrators, and then figuring out how you could address that problem with your unique skill set and background and expertise. And you said the the people doing this on a day-to-day may not have the technical, you know, acumen or anything, but you could help them 
Is that a fair parallel? Because it seems to seems to be pretty common between those two situations. Now that when I think about it that way, it does seem I never actually honestly thought in that way. So, so but that's a good parallel actually. Like good observation. Yeah, it, it's kind of that. <laughs> that's wonderful. I think it's just you know the takeaway here for me listening to these threads of yours is that there's there's been a consistency across the board and there is with virtually everybody's career and you get to weave that consistency and yours has been all about identifying gaps and then filling those gaps with your solutions your skill set your leadership etc uh, it's just cool to see it at multiple different levels on a product level on a team level on a career level on a mentorship level it just exists all the way. Because if you're always identifying gaps, there's always going to be a problem to solve and you can always solve it. If you're a problem solver, I mean, that's a, a good value to bring to any table. So anybody who's starting their careers, right? I mean, I also tell them like to keep things simple. Don't over plan things. I think just focus on the problem at hand and see what best you can do to solve that. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that, you know, the... Another undercurrent here is just the being a problem solver. And I think that and that has been a con consistent thread across other guests as well is that the people in the leadership positions, you know, whether you're in that position that you want today or you want to get there, regardless of level, company size, stage, whatever, comes down to your ability to solve problems and solve the right problems, because there is a lot of problems out there. Let's say that. Right. So I'm curious if there is some way that you use to discern what problem you should solve. So in whether you're in a startup or late stage company, team, whatever product, there's a lot of problems to solve always. So how do you identify and kind of get to the point where you say, this is probably the most important thing for me to work on when there's sometimes endless amounts of choice? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, I mean, you only have X hours in a day which you can productively work, right? So. The, the key thing is to figure out the top priority and then the top priority for the company and the top priority for each individual may differ, but still needs to have that connection. So uh, the way I try to do is the, I mean, look for the top priority and then figure out like out of those, what are things where I already have redundancy built in. So, so if somebody can actually do it at the same level or better than me, it's best to like pass it on and then see what else is remaining and then reprioritize and then go after that and not just do it, but also plan on how do you make that also redundant going over. So keep repeating that process. So the idea is to like keep making yourself redundant while you keep doing the highest priority work at on a given day. And I love how you called out the fact that even if you are already doing something that is related to a top priority, but if it's, if it is redundant for you to do and that like, you doing it is not the most important thing to identify how to pass it on and who to pass it on to. So you're effectively delegating that off your plate so you can focus on the next thing, right? The next most important task. I think that's a really key piece that we should always be looking at. I'm curious, how often do you take a step back and, and look at these, you know, your priority list? You know, you can tell us what time period, if it was during the Citrix or Amazon days, or even now, how often are you looking at that prioritization list and saying, you know, what can be handed off and what do I need to tackle next? Is that a weekly, monthly, daily thing? Yeah, so definitely like I, I do deserve like some time to reflect back on a weekly basis. So what I did this week, kind of like closing down to myself, like what kind of outcomes did I achieve this week? Did I achieve any outcome? If not, where did my time go? And what could I 
have done better there. So, so that's a, a process which I do follow that generally does give us like two or three pointers every time on where I might have overspent time, which I should not have, where I probably like delegated too early. So things like that. And then you try to learn from that. You try to improvise that. So that's about on a regular basis. But I also do like a quarterly thing in any company which I've worked on generally try to do like quarterly planning so that you can plan things at a quarterly basis, get the resourcing done and, and understand who the key players are, what the gaps are and like what to do about that. Love it. So that weekly reflection time, I'm curious, how much time do you give yourself to do that weekly reflection? I would say around 30 minutes. I kind of 30, 30 minutes, minutes of, of quite a uh, quiet time to reflect back and like not a lot of screen time then. It's more about trying to see like, because outcomes are not too many in a week. I mean, you may work on 100 things, but like you generally achieve like few outcomes. So focusing on outcomes rather than the effort. Yeah, that's awesome. And 30 minutes is doable, whether it's on, you know, whatever days of the week you run your week by. Do you typically do it at end of week, like on Fridays? End of week, okay. yep. yep. So you can, I mean, you can run your week by the actual days of the week, like Friday's the end of the week, or you can go from Wednesday to Wednesday, Thursday to Thursday, whatever suits your schedule. But you heard it right there. 30 minutes is all it takes to do reflection and very quickly know were your outcomes of, you know, lined up with what you expected and did your time go in the right places? I think that's a really powerful tip here that just taking that little step back and being honest about your calendar and your time can give you an awful lot of insight and in where you should spend next week. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things I mean, I, I've also noticed is like we all as people have the tendency to fall back to our strengths, which we perceive as our strengths. So sometimes we overdo it. So that's another thing to be careful of. Like if you're if it's already redundant and probably you need to learn new skills, then like you have to put less time on those skills which you already mastered in past. That's a great point. And, and sometimes taking a step back and saying, you know what, like I need to let go of this stuff that I'm really good at and I need to focus my attention in another area can be kind of challenging. Any words of advice for someone who's in that position where it might be a little bit uncomfortable because you feel like you're really good at doing this, but you know that the growth area is probably going to be someplace else. Yeah, so I mean, uh, for that, I, I really like like Amazon's like, way of leadership in some ways where they, I mean, imagine where you want to be one year, one year later and, and start acting as if you are there. Love it. Think the gap, what between this and one year and plan accordingly, start learning those things, start preparing yourself for that. But mentally, you need to feel as if you're already there. Wow. That's powerful. And I love they brought in the psychology piece, right? All of leadership, everything we've been talking about today, there's elements of psychology and then there's tactics that go along with it. One without the other, you're going to struggle. But together, if you already believe you're in that future position and you find the tactics and the skills and the strategies and the tools, there's no stopping you. So Ashish, last question here. If you were going able to go back in time, and sit down with yourself in that early startup that you joined as an intern, as you were kind of making your way through before you got to Citrix, and you could, you know everything you know now, what advice would you give yourself? One advice I will give myself is like, spend more time on, on knowing your customers. I did spend time on knowing my customers early on, but I spent a lot more time on process, technology, product. But I think like the key thing is to knowing your customers and like that's what then learning from them, bringing it back on what you do. The more we do from early on, 
the more tuned our mind becomes in terms of getting the feedback otherwise like to train yourself to get feedback is tough so that's what i would say everyone that like uh, learn your customers from day one that's awesome i'm going to draw another parallel here and and check for what you think but your customers in your companies have been your physical customers people who pay you money for your service and your product etc your customers in your leadership role are your employees employees that's right, right. absolutely and yep and more time on them getting to know your customers cuz if you treat them like customers they have an option to renew with you every single day they have the option to churn at any point in time right that's right absolutely right so they are absolutely the customers they are yeah and they're in charge and they get to you know share they have a particular vision and you have to understand what that vision is and you got to overlay what you have to offer on top so that you can get them to an even greater place true simple as that all right, Ashish, well, it's been wonderful to spend time with you talking about your experience. And thank you so much for your stories, your wisdom, your experience, and your expertise. And I can't wait to hear about all the great things that you and the vCompliant team are going to do for the users of those incredible systems that you told us about. So thank you so much. Take care and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Neil. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.